Okay, we are live uh, coming at you here from Cincinnati, and it took me a long time to find uh, a place uh, to set up here where I could actually do this, um, where the lighting is not too bad. I'm in the upstairs of my parents' new uh, place here, and um, I had a list of, of items I put in the description here, and I, I think I can't see the description <laughs> while I'm live streaming. So that's not good. If I if I go to edit this, I bet it would kill the live stream. So, um, okay. <clears throat> wish list for 2024. I was thinking about if I had um, some wishes, if, uh, if God were to pull a King Solomon on me here, um, what would I wish for in terms of um, the Christian church in America today? Sorry, I'm sitting in a rocking chair with my laptop in my lap, so sorry if the picture is a little shaky here. Um, if I had my wish, uh, one of the things that's on that list, as I recall, I, I thought I had put it, put it in an email to myself, but I can't find it right now. Um, but one of the things I really, really was hoping, uh, oh, there it is. There it is. Ha, ha, I did email it to myself. Excellent. Um, item number, um, uh, which one is it? Yeah. Item number, where is it? Yeah. Number four. We'll start with number four first. Um, stop compromising with evolution in deep time. And that's something that the Christian church has done for such a long time. Authority Guevara, Tyrell, excuse me, Tyrell has got him up there. Um, and you're welcome about the religious OCD. I've gotten a lot of feedback about that one because excessive scrupulosity about the self um, can be a real problem at times. And people can really drive themselves nuts um, trying to Look inward, um, and when you look inward, if you spend way too much time looking inward, uh, you can um, really find uh, very little uh, very little hope there uh, because there's a lot of sin in our hearts, even as Christians there are. So there they are. There's that list. Okay, so we'll start with number four uh, first. And uh, yeah, I want to start, I want to respond to some of these atheist comments because they're, of course just being as charming as usual. Um, Brother Richard posted an old video I did on if there is a God, why are there atheists? And um, so let's look, look at some of these things I said here. This is all very typical. Number one, here's the massive problem with your take on evolution. Sure, Darwin was the first to discuss this topic. However, there have been over 250 years of additional research on this topic. Your entire video is ignoring this additional information. Actually, no, it's not. What I pointed out in the video that you claim that you watched was that there are um, many, 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 many scientists from all the various uh, areas, as areas of inquiry that address this issue. For example, that are spelled out in the book, uh, um, Evolution's Achilles Heels, the DVD and the lengthy book, where they go through that additional research that's been done on all the various scientific disciplines that, that address the issue of evolution. And they are absolutely fatal, fatal to the idea of evolution. So, uh, yeah, uh, that was the whole point of my video, and is that all the additional research that's gone into it has been a detriment to the theory of evolution. The fossils are not helping evolution. <clears throat> um, radioisotope dating does not help evolution. Um, genetics is fatal to evolution. I would challenge this person, whoever you are, read John Sanford's book on genetic entropy and see if you can come up with an answer to it. There is no answer to that. There is no answer to the idea, to the fact that genomes used to have a lot of pure, really good information, and they've been degrading, rusting out like a car. Every successive generation piles on more mutations. So that's why I said you didn't even watch the video. 
And then, and then you're like, well, you're silly for saying that. Sir, you didn't listen to anything I said. Okay, number two. I'm not sure you, you actually have a definition of evolution. Yes, I defined it several times. So, yes, as the finch beak changes to fits in its environment, that is evolution. I pointed that out. I even use, use that example. When finch beaks change, that's not evolution in terms of giving an origin of where the various kinds come from, which is what I said in the video and which you totally ignored. <coughs> Excuse me. To the next guy, um, he's called anti 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 theist juror is the uh, is the nick on this fellow. Okay, oh, he's got six replies. Like I'm going to read any of them. Number one, there's no requirement to believe in evolution to be an atheist. Of course, I know that. There's a lot of uh, professing Christians believe in evolution. I have no idea why. Okay, number two, we know evolution happens. <laughs> I I pointed out that's an equivocation. That's an equivocation. He says, currently the best explanation for this is the theory of evolution. So think, think about how absurd that those two sentences are. We know evolution happens. Currently the best theory for this is the theory of evolution. We know evolution happens, and the best theory of it is the theory of evolution. It is what best describes the variety of life we observe. If someone came up with an alternative theory that explains the data better, it would be adopted. However, crickets. No. The uh, creationist, biblical, Genesis chapter 1, God creates animals to reproduce according to their kinds. That's a way better explanation. That's a way better explanation than something for which there is no evidence whatsoever. It's not repeatable in labs. You can't um, torture fruit flies. Not, I'm just repeating what I said in the video. You can't torture fruit flies enough to turn them into a different kind of animal. Okay, that's what I'm not talking about variations within created kinds. We're not talking about different sizes of uh, beaks on birds because they're still birds. We're talking about how, how do birds become a different kind of animal that can't crossbreed with birds. And that's the thing that evolution just doesn't, doesn't do. Okay, number three, no one cares what you find remarkable. True. Number four, no, you don't get to decide what evolution is and isn't. But if I define it and tell you what I'm talking about, then you should be able to show me, oh, no, 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 this is real. This really happened. And here's the scientific evidence for it. But crickets, there is no evidence for evolution. Um, you're talking about the origin of life. That's abiogenesis. I realize that. Uh, I'm not conflating them at all. Not, not conflating them at all. Um, abiogenesis is nonsense and everyone knows it. And that's why even uh, scientists who are hardcore atheists like Richard Dawkins are suggesting that extraterrestrials put us on Earth. Because they realize that something as complex as DNA and, and even infinitely more complex, such as the complex biosystems in our bodies and everything else, that is not explainable with natural causes. That would be like looking at, actually be far worse than looking at Mount Rushmore and going, man, can you, how did rain and wind carve the faces of Jefferson, Lincoln, uh, Roosevelt, and Washington into the side of that mountain? Imagine the odds. No, when you look at Mount Rushmore because of the information in the side of that mountain, you immediately know that a mind designed it. It's the same thing with with uh, DNA. It's the same thing with the complexities of human life, of animal life, of plant life, which is infinitely more com complicated than the faces on Mount Rushmore. Uh, Mount Rushmore, and yet, of course, why why would they not be willing to um, entertain the notion that something intelligent outside of ET? made us because they don't want to bow the knee to the Lord. They've got some kind of um, uh, sin that they're into. And then the last one here is just a rhetorical jab. Can I ask you, did you get your Goldschmidt straw man from Dwayne Gish? Uh, he was an American 
biochemist, um, a big creationist, or did you genuinely think of it in sixth grade? Uh, considering your apparent age versus when Goldschmidt wrote the material basis of evolution, it seems very strange to be that thing to be mentioned in sixth grade. What? What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, we were taught the hopeful monster theory. Yeah, uh, a sparrow, sparrows got together, um, or excuse me, lizards got together and laid an egg and a sparrow was born. Uh, so I, I don't even know who Goldschmidt is. No idea uh, who you're even talking about. So hopeful monster theory. I'm not that old, dude. I mean, how old do you think I am? Um, so anyway, so that's just whatever. Uh, that's just that's just the same old stuff with them. Notice what what's not forthcoming here is any evidence that evolution happened, and it's because there is none, and they know there's none. They know that there's none. Okay, so let's go through some of these. Sorry, that took eight minutes, so, so we can uh, actually I'll talk a little bit more about number four, but I just wanted to get that out of the way, um, so that those guys will quit chirping. That's one reason I don't. I typically just ignore uh, atheists and evolutionists because they lack self control. Um, and I haven't read their additional comments, but uh, I don't think they would have made it through if they had profanity in them. So I think YouTube filters will usually stop profanity, but I don't know. Uh, so uh, probably a lot of their comments didn't even make it through because they usually have lots of cussing and swearing. Uh, because that's a mark of a failed position. When you can't defend your position, you tend to get emotional and angry and act um, really silly and immature. Okay, number one, my, my biggest wish for 2024, revival in the pulpits. A revival of in pulpits of the solas and preaching law and gospel and how with how one gets to heaven. And uh, wow, you got my notes. Um, yeah, use Pilgrim's Progress illustration of the dusty room. Um, I had to drive to Cincinnati. My uh, my grandmother, who was a hundred, uh, she was about to turn one hundred and one in February. She died a couple days ago, so my mother had to drive to Alabama to go to the funeral uh, today. So I had to drive to Cincinnati yesterday. So I'm here taking care of my dad, who is sound asleep, taking a nap. And I brought a couple of my little girls on their other, they're in the other room uh, listening to an audiobook while I do this. So I'm in Cincinnati again. I'm in, I'm in one of the upstairs room rooms because my dad is um, is sleeping. And I have to take care of him because he's got uh, kidney dialysis. And he's on full military disability because he's a Vietnam veteran. And they think that his uh, the failure of his kidneys is related to his time in uh, Vietnam. So that's where I am right now. I'm going to be here for a while because it's going to take a while to get all this funeral stuff done. So anywho, so any programs I do will probably be done from right here with this beautiful scenic thing behind me here, this corner in the room. But with the lighting in the room, this is the only place I could go that was kind of like not obnoxious where the light's not like reflecting off, off my head and blinding people in the audience there. So, <clears throat> all right. So revival in the pulpits of the solas. What do I mean by that? By the solas, the picture is going out of focus here. Hello. Focus, focus, focus. Please focus. There we go. Revival in pulpits. The first thing we need to be revived is the preachers, is pastors. Pastors need to be revived in their confidence in the gospel, and they need to preach the solas of the Reformation. What that basically means is they need to preach scripture without any of the add-ons. They need to preach that the only source of divine revelation, the only place that we can go for a word from God is scripture. Sola Scriptura. There is no other source of God speaking than Scripture. And we need to read Scripture that way, preach it that way, that it's the only thing we have. It's the only word from God we have. And so I don't believe in prophetic words of knowledge or anything like that. And people ask me on a regular basis, don't you think God still speaks to us today? I'm like, God speaks to me every day. Every time I open my Bible, he talks directly to me. Except the difference is I do not have to wonder if this really is God or not. 
I don't have to wonder if it's really God or not. I know it is. I know it's God speaking to me. So that's the first sola, sola scriptura. scriptura. Now, sola gratia, unconditional electing grace. This is something there's been so much compromise on that issue um, with semi-Pelagianism, it's called, with the idea that grace does its part and makes salvation possible. And then man, by his own independent act of free will or whatever, then effectuates the system to save himself and so forth. We need to get back to unconditional electing grace. The reason there is anybody that's going to heaven is because God unconditionally elected them out of the mass of fallen humanity. He elected them by name individually from all eternity, gave them as a love gift to the Lord Jesus Christ and commissioned Jesus to go save them. And then in time, um, in God's appointed time, those same individuals are effectually called. They are justified, united to Christ, granted faith and repentance and adopted into God's family. And um, they are then brought into heaven when they die because Jesus does not fail to save his people from their sins. I think if we preach that again, if we preached the, the great truth that Luther um, made so clear in the bondage of the will that God is the one who chooses us. And then in time, we are, we are effectually called, we are born again, and then we believe the gospel and are justified and saved. Um, that would produce a lot more humility. I think one of the biggest problems, one of the reasons that the church is so non-influential in the world today um, is because, <clears throat> at least in America, is because we don't preach that God is over us. We preach the gospel as if God and man approach each other as equals. God, God does his part, you do your part, and you work together to save yourself. And that's not going to engender deep repentance. That's not going to uh, create um, people that really have a big heart to know God or who are truly grateful for his grace. I mean... Are we going to get to heaven and, and praise the Lord Jesus for all eternity for having really tried hard? I mean, I don't think so. We also need a recovery of justification by faith alone, completely apart from works. What is the legal grounds of my getting into heaven? It is the blood and righteousness of Christ alone. Does God change everyone that he justifies by faith alone? Yes. Um, can they remain the slaves of sin? No. Will they uh, live a life of sanctification and holiness and God will begin the process of changing them and conforming them to the image of Christ? Yes. Does that play any role whatsoever in getting them into heaven? No, it doesn't. It can't. It can't because the only righteousness that can satisfy God's requirements is the righteousness that was achieved by the Lord Jesus Christ by his life. And so we're justified before God by faith, meaning by believing in, receiving and resting upon Christ alone. In other words, when you think about what's your confidence in, what is your confidence in for getting into heaven? Mine's in the righteousness of Christ and in his cross. That's it. Well, don't you believe in sanctification? Yes. Well, isn't sanctification necessary? It's a necessary fruit. It's a necessary evidence, but it's not necessary in that it saves us because it doesn't, it can't. And so that's another thing, the law gospel distinction. Uh, so, so much criticism has come uh, forward of late uh, that really is a straw man of the law gospel distinction. And that is the idea that, well, we don't believe, you know, that the, the law is bad and the gospel is good. The law gospel distinction isn't saying the law is bad or that the gospel is good. Both are good. What we're talking about is the means of justification before God. When it comes to how we're justified before God, the law is of no use to us. The law simply shows us the depth of our sin and shows us that we need Christ to save us. So when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to being right before God and justified before God, we do not look to the law in any way, shape, or form to help us with that because the law always works 
wrath, Romans 4.15. And then Romans 4.16, therefore justification is by faith, so that it would be by grace, so it would be guaranteed, so it would be certain. Okay, and there's a couple other solas, solas Christus, Christ alone, it's not faith in Christ plus psychology, it's not faith in Christ plus Mary, it's not faith in Christ plus the church, it's Christ and Christ alone who saves us, and therefore to God alone goes all of the glory. Okay, so that's point number one. Point number two, interest in the Reformation, information, or interest in the Reformation to escalate, and the confessions and catechisms of the Reformation uh, to be uh, something that people are interested in again. It's just one thing, the ecumenical activity um, and the, the lack of willingness on the part of um, the Reformed churches, the non-Catholic churches, to recognize we can't do ministry with Catholicism and with people who are members of that religion because we don't agree on the gospel. And so I wish people understood the Reformation. I wish people understood how many of our Reformed um, and Protestant forefathers were put to death by the Roman Catholic Church. And that the fact that nothing that was in place in terms of their understanding of, of the law and the magistrate, none of that stuff has actually changed. I think if, if the Roman Catholic Church still had political power, our lives would be in grave danger. But they've used the pro-life movement to great success, thinking that we'll, we'll make the Protestants think that they're evangelizing us when all the while we're getting them to realize that we're doing ministry together. You know, I used to think that maybe we could do pro-life work together with Catholics, but we can't. We can't. Uh, because again and again, I remember um, my interactions with Roman Catholic people. They would say, yes, we're, we're saving the lives of unborn children, and we're also saving souls. And that's when it hit me. They don't see this the way I do. Like the fact that we're doing this together, they think that I think we're on the same page. And so folks, the thing is Christians need to work against abortion and need to work against the social evils of our time, the way that Christians are going to work against them and let the Catholics work against those things the way they want to work against them. But we can't throw our arms around them and act like we're on a common spiritual mission because we are not. And this pragmatic approach, this idea that, well, we can have more influence if we have a broader tent. Billy Graham did that. Billy Graham thought that that was the best way to do these crusades. Say, hey, if liberal Protestants want to be involved, if, if Rome wants to be involved, great. Let them be involved, and we'll let everybody think that we're all on the same page. But all the while, I'm going to be evangelizing them. And, folks, that's just not what happens. That's a myth. It's called the myth of influence. And if you think that you can throw your arms around a false system, uh, all the while, in the back of your mind, kind of going, well, we know we kind of need to evangelize them uh, without being clear about that. That's really dishonest. It's just dishonest. It really is. So I wish the interest in the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, would escalate again and that people would really understand what was that all about? What was that all about? It wasn't just about corruption with indulgences or things like that. We're talking about a system of doctrine. The Roman Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic religion is a false system and i'll put the dial on the table everyone who has ever trusted in what rome teaches about the gospel has gone to hell everyone who believes rome's false gospel if they die trusting in that false gospel they are lost so i'm not notice i did not say every member of that religion goes to hell 
nor am I saying every Presbyterian goes to heaven or every Protestant. The issue at the end of the day is what do you believe? Are you trusting in the finished work of Christ or not? But if you're going to talk about the two systems as if there's not enough different about them that we can all work together, that's where you're just not being honest. You're either not being honest or you're just being ignorant. Because the Roman Catholic understanding of the gospel is false, is not the truth, is not true Christianity. So I wish the an interest in the Reformation would escalate and that people would recognize that the key to changing society is the truth, is scripture, is the one true gospel. And you can't join cause with those who deny that gospel thinking that you're going to influence them because generally speaking, historically, the influence goes the other direction. And I've said this many times, really since the late nineties and early two thousands, when Rome and Protestants sit down at the table to negotiate, Protestants lose because Rome doesn't think she's even capable of making errors. And therefore the only person that in principle can move in their position is us. Because we see ourselves as under the authority of the word of God. They see themselves as under the authority of no one except themselves. Now they would say, no, 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 we're, we're under God's authority. But if you're part of an institution that doesn't think it can make errors, really, that institution itself has replaced God <clears throat> and functions as God himself. Number three, that Presbyterians would stop being functional independents. I, I have to tell you, I am weary to the bones. I am weary to the bones of hearing well-intended elders, pastors say, look, we don't buy the progressivism and, you know, just name the denomination, whatever one it is. We don't buy into what Amy Bird did in the OPC. We, we're, we don't, we're not okay with any of that. And we don't buy into the, the side B affirmation of gay celibate Christian. We don't buy into that. We have a good church. We have a good presbytery. We're not going to buy into any of that, but we're just going to hang around. We're just going to hang around. Um, Machen said that people that think that way are, they're not Presbyterians, they're independent. Remember the three forms of government I've taught about on this channel? There's prelacy or rule by bishops. That's what the Church of England does. Methodists, the Romanists and Eastern Orthodox rule by bishops. Okay, that's prelacy. Then there's independency, which is the, the local church is the highest authority. And then there's presbytery, where we're all connected. And there's those graded courts. There's the church session, the presbytery, and then the general assembly or synod. For people who are Presbyterian to say, I've got a good church, I've got a good presbytery, and to say, that's enough. I don't need to worry about what's going on at the next level or, or, any, or anywhere else. They're independent then. And their polity, they are not Presbyterians. And for people to say, yeah, okay, so there's, there's guys that that claim to be gay and everything else in our denomination, um, that's not okay. That's not okay. You're not a Presbyterian, then you're something else. You're Functionally, you're an independent. I wish that those that are Presbyterians would stop thinking that way. Sorry, my camera keeps going out of focus. I, I'm trying my best to make this work. Okay, number four, stop compromising with evolution. Um, that's something the Christian church has done for so long. Um, it's been intimidated by men in white lab coats or something. But we've been handed all these all this time, and so many so much of the Christian church has tried to find a place to stick it, and all that time has been stuck into Genesis one somewhere, either before the creation days start or in the creation days or something. Um, and we need to realize that uh, true science does not support anything like that. Now I know that that's a minority report, and I I think that probably 
maybe after I'm dead, um, I think eventually evolution will be discarded. And I think future generations, uh, the idea that life assembled itself out of nothing by accident and that our eyes and ears and the intricate organs and our brains and hearts, lungs, and our, um, our circulate, circulatory system and everything else, our bones is a giant accident with no purpose in design. I think eventually that will be discarded as a really dumb idea. Right now it's in vogue, so people don't question it. But I think eventually people will look back and be like, man, those were, those were not sharp people to think that something like that was actually true. Number five, I wish that men would lead family worship and that men would be passionate about loving their wife like Christ loves the church. I wish that men would lead their families and have a passion for family worship and that they would be pure in their thought life and that they, if sexually speaking, would have a single-minded devotion to their wife. I wish, I pray, that men who name the name of Christ and are married would would lead, would protect, and that they would have a single-minded devotion to their wife, that those vows they took, that that would define their very existence in this life, that when they swore before God and witnesses, keeping yourself only unto her, forsaking all others, that they would do that in their thoughts and that they would have a single-minded devotion to their wife when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to what they click on on the internet, I wish that men would lead and that they'd be passionate about loving their wife like Christ loves the church. Number six, I wish that churches would have regular organized prayer for the lost, for the lost. That we would pray regularly, that there would be, even if it's a small group, we do that two times a month uh, at 5.30 before our six o'clock evening service on the second and fourth Sundays of the month. Sorry, my camera keeps doing that. Just. Just try to hear my voice. Don't worry about about me. Um, I wish that the churches would pray earnestly for revival and pray for lost people by name. And, you know, that's what we do that. We probably don't do it as much as we should. Um, but uh, I wish that churches would be more deliberate uh, about prayer, about praying for revival and praying for lost people. I know a lot of lost people. Uh, I have family who are lost that don't know Christ. And we need to lift them before the throne of grace. As I know, people um, had been recruited to pray for me. My parents recruited people to pray for me and, and to pray that God would save me. And I'm thankful to God that, that they did that. Um, regular and real evangelism, that people will go out and pass out tracts and try to start conversations with people about the gospel. And I pray, I hope and wish that churches would do that um, in 2024 and that we would get refocused on that, that maybe we should cancel a lot of the programs, all the program-driven stuff that goes on and uh, liberate people's time a little bit to go out into the highways and byways and talk to people about the gospel. In fact, I in 2024, I want to really try to do that at least once a week, even if I just go downtown Kingsport for an hour. <clears throat> in fact, I was thinking about ways I could start conversations with people. You know, we've given out tracks in the past and um, I want to be, be a little more deliberate about how that's done. Uh, I'd like to try to ask people maybe can you tell me, what do you think the basic message of the Bible is? Or what does the Bible teach about how you can get to heaven? And see what they say. And then ask them, may I tell you what the message is? Because I guarantee you they don't know. Even the people that go to church. How, what does the Bible teach about how you go to heaven? You know, we have asked that question before. It's amazing how many professing Christians, they don't know the answer to that question. So it's been good to be able to share the truth with those that, um, that profess to be Christians. Okay, number eight. 
that everyone would crucify and hate sexual sin in all its forms. That's an absolute scourge. It's an absolute scourge. The internet, the accessibility of bad stuff um, on every gadget and all of the points of entry that you have to the internet is an absolute marriage killer. It's a soul killer. It's a zeal killer, a joy killer. And this stuff, it's amazing how often I correspond with people about things like that and how much that has come up really over the last 20 plus years in ministry and to see the devastation that that has brought uh, to people's lives. It's amazing how, how Satan and our own sinful hearts working together have ruined what God created to be such a blessing in marriage. You know, sex is supposed to be a huge blessing for married people. And people think that sex is a right and it's not. Sex is not a right. Sex is a privilege for married people. And there's responsibility that goes with it. You might have children. Now, I've got 10. <laughs> so, and uh, that's a good thing. You know, I praise God for my children. I praise God that we have a big family. I always wanted to have a big family. But to me, a big family was four. To my wife, a big family was 10. She wanted to have 10. So that's what we ended up having. We ended up having 10. Um, but I praise God. I, I'm so thankful, even for the trials that we've had. Um, and I want to say this, that the the blessings far outweigh the trials if you have lots of kids. The trials are, are there. And it is more stressful because everything's expensive. And um, it is hard. It's hard to um, manage so many kids. It really is. But the blessings far outweigh the heartaches. But that's one thing kids will do. They will lift your spirits and they will be a blessing to you, but they'll also break your heart a lot. And uh, it's hard. Sorry, the camera keeps doing that. Um, number nine, um, study church history so we don't repeat its errors. Uh, Y'all know I've been thinking a lot about studying Jay Gresham Machen a lot lately. And um, to hear the same things that people were saying uh, to him, to hear people saying those things to me, uh, these days um, has been very disheartening. All the stuff about we have a good church, we have a good presbytery. That people said that to Mason. Um, it's it's upsetting to me, but I know that there's always hope, and I know that uh, that God can um, can do great things. That's one th reason I've been so noisy about that. Is I'm I'm tired of hearing people say the same things and and are determined to make the same mistakes that our forefathers made, or that so many of our forefathers made. But let me put this in perspective for you, though, real quick. Um, in um, Stephen Nichols, who's, uh, I believe he's the president at Reformation Bible College, where my daughter Maria is a student down there in Orlando. That's the school that R.C. Sproul founded down there, Reformation Bible College. He wrote a biography of Machen, and I've got it on Kindle, and I've been reading it and uh, listening to his lectures on Ligonier, and I've listened to Daryl Hart's lectures about Machen. When Machen formed the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, I believe that was 1936, I think it was 32 or 36. There were something like, as I understand it, there were around 20,000 pastors and elders. 20,000 in the PCUSA. You know how many of them left to go form the OPC after the mainline denomination went completely liberal? Completely liberal. You know how many people went with them out of the 20,000? 120. 120. And you think, why did everybody stay? Why did they all stay in this apostate liberal denomination? You ready? Here's why. I got my church. I got my presbytery. We have a good church. We're orthodox. We're solid. We have a good presbytery. 
We don't buy any of this stuff. And Mason said, you guys are independent. You're functional independents. You're not Presbyterians. And he's right. And I've heard people say the same thing. And I keep wondering, what's going to happen as these denominations continue drifting more and more and more to the left? Well, hopefully there'll be little denominations where they can eventually go as long as they start thinking like Presbyterians. I just wish people who said they were Presbyterians would be Presbyterians. Like you say you believe this stuff, but then you function like an independent. We're not independent. We're Presbyterian. Okay? So that's why I think we need to study church history. Also, studying church history over the years, you don't hear anything new. I can't remember the last time I heard a false teaching that was new. And yet people will um, throw stuff out there um, as if it's new. And it's like, no, this is a re this is a recycled heresy. Like the stuff that the Arminians say uh, was not new. The, the semi-Pelagians said the same thing. And that's why those uh, Reformed forefathers there in the Netherlands, that's why they ejected the Arminians. They threw them out of the church, all of them. And if you read the Canons of Dort, they say over and over and over again, thus they have brought out of hell the Pelagian error. Thus this smacks of Pelagius. This is the Pelagian error. What, what is the idea of Pelagianism? Pelagianism was the idea that there's no original sin. And by that they mean man has the ability to repent and come to Jesus. Man has the native ability, and of course semi-Pelagian, man has the ability with the help of grace to repent and believe and save himself. Any of that sound familiar? That was that was condemned um, at the was it the 16th Council of Carthage in like 429. They condemned that idea. The idea that grace makes things possible. And then you find out, and that's that's like that's what the majority of professing Christians believe today. I remember discovering that. The idea that man has the ability to repent and believe whenever he wants was condemned in the early church as heresy. And today you have people like Jerry Falwell who said the idea of, of Calvinism, the idea that man is unconditionally loaded, we consider that heresy. And it's like, no, the position you're espousing is what historically was rejected as, as false. It's a denial of original sin. Original sin is that our whole nature is corrupted. Man does not have the capacity, the ability to save himself. Even with the help of grace, it is done It is done by God. As Augustine says over and over and over again, it's God's power, not man's. God's power. Okay, let me see who else is over here. It looks like there's a lot of chatter going on over here. So that's my wish list. So thank you, uh, Terrell, for posting that over there. I appreciate that, buddy. I've been praying for you. Okay, so there's Paul Garvey and there's uh, um, Lee Hood. You're new. I don't, I don't think you've been on here. Howdy. There's Colin. Good or Colin. Good to see you, man. And say hello to Sarah Grace and the gang. Dane, I'm still using that beautiful leather-bound uh, Westminster Confession. That's like, as I said, that's going to be a family heirloom. And no one's allowed to touch it but me. So I love that thing. Thank you so much for making that for me. Um, says Terrell, I got myself a MacArthur study Bible. Do you have any other recommendations for study Bibles or you're not a fan of those? Um, MacArthur study Bibles are good uh, as long as he's not talking about eschatology <laughs> or Israel or baptism. Um, the Reformation study Bibles are awesome. I, one thing I look for and I actually have a stack of these is the old, this, this sounds kind of weird, the old New Geneva study Bibles that Ligonier put out years ago. I actually have my leather bound one that I bought in 1999 and 
I love that thing. The, the study notes in it are fantastic. The introductions to the books are great. So I like study Bibles. You just got to be careful because you're going to get, you know, the theological perspective of the editors and you need to know who the editors are. But the Reformation Study Bible is very good. The New Geneva Study Bible is good. MacArthur Study Bibles have a ton of information in them. You just got to watch out because his eschatology is kind of wonky because he's a dispensational pre-trib rapture guy, I think. So, okay, let me see who else is here. Pachito, greetings from Sweden. People are watching this in Sweden. That is amazing to me. The technology is just blows my mind. I watched the videos where we mentioned John Piper and Lordship Salvation. Um, maybe I misunderstood, but could you elaborate on what your opinion is of John Piper? Uh, John Piper does not believe that there's a covenant of works in scripture. He's also, um, his primary theological mentor was Daniel Fuller. Uh, and Fuller denied the gospel. Fuller did not believe in justification by faith alone. And that doesn't seem to bother Piper um, because I think Piper doesn't believe in justification by faith alone either uh, because he'll say he does, but then he also believes. Okay, let, let me put it this way. This is Here's the benefit of a cat, <coughs> Reformation catechism and understanding what scripture teaches about this. What benefits do they that are effectually called partake of in this life? They that are effectually called doing this life partake of justification, adoption, and sanctification with the several benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from them. Okay, justification, adoption, and sanctification. For John Piper, they that are effectually called partake of justification, adoption, sanctification, and final salvation. He adds a fourth thing that destroys the first three. Because Piper believes that justification is one thing. That's the initial step. That's by faith alone. That receives a finished work outside of you. But then, as his, his own words, and I've actually quoted this so many times, I think I've got it memorized. In final salvation, faith is confirmed by the sanctifying fruit it has borne, and we are saved through that fruit and that faith. So for Piper, justification is your initial step, and then you're finally saved by your works. That is the Roman Catholic false gospel. That's what Rome teaches. And if you, um, I would encourage you, listen to all the videos that I've done on John Piper, and uh, I've encouraged his fans. I have been contacted by many of them um, as those sermons and videos have been downloaded a lot uh, over the past few years since he did that in 2017. And I've gotten some real nasty stuff from some of his fans. Um, I have challenged them again and again uh, to show me how I'm misrepresenting him. I'll get quotations from other Puritans and theologians saying, well, if you're going to say Piper's wrong, you got to say these other guys are wrong. I did a whole video uh, that is titled misusing reformers and theologians for Piper. And I went to the context of, cause I have all those books that, that these quotations come from, from Bob Inc. And from uh, who are some of the other ones, Vines, Gattaker, Twist, uh, who are some of the other theologians that are thrown out there regularly. Um, Horton, Michael Horton um, is actually thrown out there as if he agrees with Piper. I emailed Michael Horton and he emailed me back. Um, and was not happy that Mark Jones was using a quotation from him as if he agrees with Piper. And Horton said to me that Mark Jones antinomianism in his anti-antinomian polemics. So I don't think Piper preaches the true gospel. I, I he hasn't preached it um, for his entire career. Uh, just because he's you know claims to be a five-point Calvinist does not mean this. And the fact is, Piper's not, as I understand it, he's not confessional. He doesn't hold to any of the Great Reformation confessions so i'm not sure why he still runs in reform circles and by the way if you really want to understand how seriously bad piper is even though i think guy waters and john fesco were too easy on him 
there's a video on YouTube where Piper spells out his view of saving faith as containing love. Like faith in Jesus and love are like melt mingled together. And Fesco and Dr. Waters point out that's not what scripture teaches. And that's not what the historic reform tradition teaches either. Because Piper tries to enlist Calvin and Turretin and John Owen on his side. And Fesco does a great job of showing that is not what Turretin or Owen or Calvin taught about the nature of saving faith. Okay, so Piper is is very seriously in error uh, on the gospel, unfortunately. And uh, I wish more people said that and uh, and recognize that. Okay. Um, pardon me. Let's see. Okay. Sorry. I'm allergic to Cincinnati. When I growing up in this town, um, this is the worst city. It's like one of the two worst cities in America um, for ragweed and pollen allergies and everything. I'm allergic to this whole city. So when I'm here, it's like my head is about to, to pop. Um, but growing up, I had to take meds for allergies and everything else. As long as I live somewhere other than Cincinnati, I'm fine. Like, I don't have allergies, really. In uh, Tennessee, I didn't have allergies when we lived in Akron. I didn't have allergies when we lived in Mississippi. But Cincinnati is terrible. So, sorry, my, my nose is running. Okay, Oscar Fabi. I'm from Sweden, too. We need reformation in our country, acute reformation in our country. Yeah. Curious, why do Reformed churches recognize Roman Catholic baptism? Good question, Susan. Um, I think, excuse me. Probably because um, heavyweights like Calvin and even Charles Hodge do. Uh, for my part, if the if the ordaining body that laid hands on you is formally heretical, then their baptisms are no good. So uh, there was a young fella, a, a Roman Catholic fella, who he uh, came to know Christ in our church, and I baptized him and explained this to him. Now, my brethren... Most of them uh, back then in the PCA would have been like, no, you shouldn't rebaptize them. And I said, it's not a rebaptism, it's the first baptism. He hasn't been baptized. The, the Roman Catholic Church's baptisms, I do not believe for a second that they're legit uh, because I don't believe that a Roman Catholic priest can, in any sense of the word, be considered to be a minister of the gospel. They're just not. They're part of an organization that hates the gospel, condemns it, and has murdered a lot of people that preach it. So that that's not legit. Christian baptism. So if the ordaining by it's not so much the views of the individual doing the baptism, it's the body that ordained them. If they're formally heretical on paper, then their baptisms are not Christian baptism. Hey, sorry about the camera. I'm not going to use this little, I, I, I got this little camera that is still good, but I think it's, I think it's struggling because the lighting in here is not very good. Maybe if I turn more light on, it would work better. Um, do I really want to get up and do that right now? If I don't move, Actually, I'm going to. That's driving me. If it's driving me nuts, it's got to be driving you guys nuts, too. So let me see here if I can do this without tripping. Okay. Let's go over here. I'm going to unplug this. Okay, I'll just take you for a little tour. Here. Turn the light on. See, now now your eyes are going to get hit with the, the glare off of my shiny head. Hey, this is this is live webcasting because I love you guys. And I know you just can't get by without... Seeing and hearing from me at least a little on, on Thursday. So this is all for you all. Okay, that's that's better. Sorry about that. Hopefully it won't keep going on. I'm still doing it. Okay, whatever. I tried. Uh, you might want to put on your sunglasses to, to prevent the, uh, the glare off my head there. OSHA has determined that watching me is bad for your eyes because of the glare. <clears throat> okay. Um, 
Let's see, who else is here? Jason Millwood, works-based, and you have to join the church to be saved. Yeah, that's bad. Although joining the church is good. Joining the church is a good thing. Um, there's Daisy Howdy there, and there's Stephen Drucker. Your words of separation are misleading, Pastor. Okay, can you explain yourself? Um, let's see if that fellow put anything else on there. Your words of separation are misleading. Why are you saying that? Uh, I've been baptized so many times, so I don't know if I really need another. <laughs> yeah, I know some tri triple dippers uh, myself. Um, maybe it's because we hold the same Trinitarian doctrine. Probably, yeah. Uh, why have you been baptized several times? Yeah, 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 yeah. Baptized at heretical churches prior to coming to True Saving Faith. Now, we did baptize a guy that was baptized in a oneness church, a church that's not that doesn't hold to the Trinity, does, that is weird on... It's doctrine of God, and so we, we baptized that guy. Okay, um, uh, Oscar here. Okay, do you have fellowship? <laughs> okay, let's see. Let me see, let me see, let me see. All right, did that fellow ever elaborate on how I'm misleading here? <sighs> Smartphone, on your own power. Okay, so you guys are like having your own little private conversation here. Okay. Do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah. Terrell, the Reformation Study Bible is great. Um, I think they probably should be called the Reformation Assault Bibles because they are they're gigantic. But it's got like everything in it. It's got all the Reformed Confessions in the back. It's got a concordance. The study notes are really good. It's just it's not like something you can take around in your pocket because it's, it's just it is the biggest Bible I've ever seen. But it's good stuff. It's it's great stuff. Okay, let me see uh, who else there um, says Daisy. I've never been a f never followed or been a fan of Piper. Didn't know he's isn't even confessional. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't hold any of the Reformed confessions. And um, his comments about baptism are, are odd. I actually did a sermon where I, I took up um, some stuff he had said in a couple of articles uh, about um, why he's a Baptist, which was not <clears throat> not compelling at all. So for what it's worth. That's out there on Sermon Audio. Um, 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 Trinidad and Tobago um, needs revival. Yeah, we, we all should pray for that. Like, I know we all have a million things going on all the time. And there's family stuff. Like, I'm dealing with family stuff, you know, right now. But, but let's make sure that in our prayers, we remember that the church as a whole in the world. Because I keep wondering, you know, if it's going to happen in our lifetime or not. But I'm looking for signs that God is really going to start moving and convicting people of their sins. But only he can do that. Only, only God can do that. Our job is to be faithful. Be faithful to the truth. And if you have to do that in kind of a lonely fashion, then so be it for a, for a while. Um, but the we need to be faithful to the Lord. Okay. Uh, Johnny Mac is up there in net worth of the major heretics. <laughs> Not saying he's a heretic. Really? Is he like is he like rich? I actually don't know. 14 million? Oh my goodness. What's your opinion of Doug Wilson? Does that answer your question? Um, seriously, Pachito, I've done a whole series of videos on the Federal Vision and Doug, Doug Wilson in particular. Uh, I would encourage you to go hear those. Go listen to the video that I did on Doug Wilson and deniers of Sola Fide. To me, a, a number of people have contacted me about that one and said that was one of the most useful ones because Chris Arnson on Iron Sharpens Iron played a bunch of clips of um, Steve Schlissel denying the gospel to get Wilson's take on it. Cause uh, Arnson asked Doug Wilson, 
Are you aware of any teachers in the federal mission who deny justification by faith alone? And Wilson says, no. And then Arnson plays clip after clip after clip of Schlissel denying the gospel. And, and Wilson says, no, he, he believes, he still believes in justification by faith alone. And it's just unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. In fact, uh, let me, um, I'm going to post the link to that one for you here. Uh, it's called Doug Wilson and Deniers of the Gospel. And as I said, uh, people have heard this, and I, I played the clips from um, Wilson's interview with Chris, Chris Arnson on Arnson's program. It's called Iron Sharpens Iron. But if you want to hear something that will really bring into focus um, just how out there he is, and also Wilson, Wilson's understanding of whether G.K. Chesterton or um, J.R.R. Tolkien were uh, saved. Let me see if I can find this first one here. Here it is. Under a playlist I did called the Federal Vision Heresy, uh, because it's bad stuff. The Federal Vision Heresy is really bad, bad stuff. So here, here's the first one, and I'll, hopefully this will show up um, after this posts to YouTube. Um, it will paste it. Paste? Why will this not paste? Oh, wait a minute. Come on now. Is my internet connection getting wonky on me here? Okay, so cut and paste over here. There it is. Okay, so there's Wilson and Deniers of Justification by Faith alone. And then this one on um, Chesterton and Tolkien. Th this one it just blows my mind. It just it truly does. Um, Doug, let's see. Uh, I get asked about Wilson a lot. He's kind of a big... His influence in the area where I um, minister is, it's a big influence because of the existence of a CREC church um, somewhat nearby. But uh, yeah, he's a, he is not someone that y'all should listen to. So, okay. Uh, we're at the 50 minute mark. I need to go make sure my little girls aren't like tearing up the place and that my dad is still sleeping, but uh, I love you all. Thank you for um, chiming in over there. And uh um, thank y'all for watching or for listening.